Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Business Conversations, the official podcast of the UNT G. Brent Ryan College of Business, featuring expert faculty, staff, and friends of the college. Today, we welcome Chad Thompson, the HR General Manager of Chevron's Africa and Latin America Exploration, along with the college's Director of the Institute of Petroleum Accounting, Dr. Akil Kumar. Dr. Kumar, who brings over 30 years of experience in the energy industry, will be interviewing Chad during this special podcast episode. In his current role, Chad provides guidance and leadership in all areas of people strategy and talent management to the OPCO president and leadership team and business unit HR managers. The team's vision is to ensure that Chevron has the right people with the right skills in the right places at the right time to deliver the Chevron Africa and Latin America exploration and production business plan. His background includes in-depth experience in all areas of human resource across the life cycle of a company, rapid growth, consolidation, maturity, decline, and ultimately divestment. Chad was born in the UK. He has lived and worked in Barbados, Miami, Singapore, California, Indonesia, and now Houston. He has experience in the protocol of conducting business in Asia Pacific, Latin America, Europe, Africa, and Middle Eastern cultures. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Kumar and Chad Thompson. Hello, dear listeners. Thank you for joining us for this show. I'm your host, Dr. Akhil Kumar, Executive Director of Institute of Petroleum Accounting at Ryan College of Business, University of North Texas. Institute of Petroleum Accounting, or IPA, is a center of excellence which promotes research and education in energy accounting. In addition, we are actively involved in issues relating to environmental, social, and governance that are of great relevance to the energy industry. By way of background, I've had the privilege and opportunity to work for over 30 years in the energy industry, a few years with Shell, but most of it with Chevron in several locations around the world. And I had a marvelous time. Our guest today is a very senior HR executive from Chevron, Chad Thompson, General Manager, Human Resources, North America Exploration and Production. I have worked closely with Chad during my years in Chevron, and it is a great honor to have him with us to share his thoughts on a wide ranging issues relating to energy industry and to understand the challenges and opportunities that it offers to those who aspire for a career in this industry. Hello, Chad. A very warm welcome to our show. Thanks very much for taking the time out from your busy schedule to talk to us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to see you again, dear friend, and thankful that I could be of service to our, my community. I can help you in the university, and I'm really excited about what we will talk about today because I think it's a, a very important topic. I know there's a lot of interest. Thank you, Chad. Wonderful. Uh, Chad, our audience is primarily accounting undergraduate and graduate students and faculty from the Ryan College of Business. It would be very helpful to our audience if you can briefly tell us about Chevron Corporation, some of the main business activities, extent of its global presence, and anything else that you may want to share. Hey, thanks, Akil. Well, 
Chevron, I think, in, as a company is well known. We are, are one of the largest our energy companies here in the U.S. And globally, we are a company with a very pervasive and extensive reach globally. Our, just in way of a few facts, we produce about 3 million barrels of oil and oil equivalent or production per day. We have about our 11 billion barrels of, of oil in reserves. And we operate globally in North America, South America, Africa, Europe, Eurasia, Middle East and Asia Pacific. The profile of our business, we cover our activities in exploration and production, refining. We're also involved in transportation and logistics with a lot of marine or vessels and shipping fleets. We are also involved in supply and trading we also have various products and services that we manufacture, as well as our lubricant and additive businesses. And one that will be most familiar to our, our audience will be, you know, our energy and petrol business that most of us still use to power the vehicles that we personally drive. So that's a little bit about Chevron. We have about 40,000 employees and are we are operating as i said earlier in every area and aspect of the world that is indeed very impressive um, basically chevron is really all over the globe uh, chad could you please share with our audience your role in chevron uh, also i'm sure they will be interested to know your career highlights what all did you do to get to your current position and what exactly do you do currently yeah, so, you know, one of the things that I'm immensely proud having spent 22 years with Chevron I'm in my 23rd year is I started my career in a small island in the Caribbean called Barbados, and I've worked extensively across all of the areas that Chevron operates. As a general manager of human resources or for upstream business in North America, I'm responsible for all the strategic HR initiatives that we are managing to support the execution of our business plan. Those range in, in areas of talent management, are operating in terms of driving our, our leadership programs and development, managing the transformation of our business through restructurings, reorganizations, mergers, acquisitions, and divestments and also helping to you know, drive and influence our digital strategy to transform the nature of work and to make us much more effective as a human resource organization. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I have worked and have the privilege of, of working in Latin America, the Caribbean, North America, Europe, Asia Pacific. I've traveled to about 75 countries working on issues and doing business. It's helped me to expand and develop my competence in speaking a foreign language. I learned Spanish when I was in Latin America. And it has really made me uh, someone that's very aware and astute about operating globally and, and managing through the nuances of different cultures and has also provided me an opportunity to learn and to grow my personal development, having had to the privilege of working in many of these locations. So, you know, I, th I think it's typical of the type of career that one can have in a company like Chevron, where 
there's a limited possibility and potential and there's a lot of opportunity to influence the world in positive ways and that's why i've stayed with a company like chevron for so long yeah chad i am fully aware that chevron is uh, ranked very high in hr practices all over the world it's very well known for a very professional hr organization um, is there something you can tell us what make chevron apart from some of the other companies i think as a company chevron has always been guided by something we call the chevron way and that has really been at the hallmark of how we operate as a company and and it really drives a level of consistency in the expectations of each employee. So within the Chevron way, we highlight five elements of importance. One is diversity and inclusion, the importance of uh, representing the cultures that are comprised of our workforce and also the places that we operate. And being an, an organization that embraces our not only diversity, which is having a diverse set of employees, but inclusion, making sure that everyone counts. We have won numerous awards as, as an employer recognized for our diversity across many different dimensions of diversity. Secondly, we have high performance. We have an expectations that we will perform and that in particularly where we operate, we will be a net benefit to that society and community. And, you know, Chevron way will be synonymous with quality and respect. A third pillar is integrity and trust. We seek to be the energy company most admired for our people, our partnership, and for our performance. And integral to that is the integrity of our business, a strong compliance culture, and trust that we do what we say we will do, that we will leave the, in the places that we operate better than, than we found them, and that you can rely on Chevron to follow and abide by the laws and, and practices of every community in which we operate. We talked about partnership, you know, making sure that we are a preferred partner, that when we do business, particularly as we do in the upstream world with many governments and associations, they value what Chevron brings as a partner seeking mutually beneficial outcomes. And lastly, protecting people and the environment. We make that a, a hallmark operating safely and reliably and helping to impact in a positive way the people that we interact with and the environments that we operate in. And we view these five pillars as important to our enterprise success and we expect and hold each employee to you know expose these values in their daily work that's excellent thank you uh, chad you mentioned about uh, the total uh, employee strength of chevron at about forty thousand. now in your current role you're managing north america upstream what would be yeah. the employee strength there of north america upstream so for North America upstream, we are currently roughly around 6,000 employees. And again, these figures just speak to employees. They do not uh, reference our, you know, the contractors and, and other third parties that we impact by the nature of our operations. So in total, we are a 
approaching around 6,000 employees. And those, those employees are spread across Mexico or Calgary in, in Canada. We have employees in our Rockies business unit in Colorado, employees in uh, what we call mid-continent, which is our Permian assets. And we also have employees in San Joaquin Valley in California and the Gulf of Mexico based in Covington, Louisiana. Yeah, I guess uh, in the current circumstances in the pandemic, things are different, but in normal time, you would be traveling quite a bit to meet yes, people at all these locations all the time. Correct, and it's, it's part of the reason for that is, you know, in, as any executive for success, it's really understanding the nuances and, and, and the operation that you are supporting. And so from a philosophical perspective, it's important for me to visit, to build relationships and to understand the issues in each of the locales that we are operating in. I also think it gives you an opportunity to test some of the efficacy of the things that you are deploying. And it also gives employees the opportunity to interact and to raise sometimes issues and concerns that are not always are visible or when you're in the corporate center. And so those are some of the reasons why, you know, traveling is, is beneficial. Of course, in today's environment, we're having to be effective by leveraging more digital technology and learning to operate in a more digital and remote world, but we're still finding ways to be effective. Yes, I can uh, see that. It must've been really fascinating to, to work all over the globe and be exposed to different cultures. Could you share any multicultural experience, any anecdotes you can recall uh, working in different cultures? Yeah, well, I think, you know, having had the privilege of working in multiple international locations, you know, I think there's a couple things that come to mind that I have, uh, being mindful of and have served me well. I think one major principle that I have learned to operate by is seeking first to understand and then to be understood. And the reason I highlight that is as a multinational company uh, operating globally, sometimes there's a tendency to want to superimpose a, a philosophy or a way of doing things that might underestimate some of the value and the nuances of a local culture. And I'll give you one anecdote. I remember working in Malaysia, having an employee who was supporting and what I was asking them to do was just culturally impossible for her as a female, because as much as we have a Chevron culture, which we believe is globally consistent, we operate within very national cultures with certain norms that we have to respect. And, and I did not realize what I was doing. I was literally uh, really putting her in a very uncomfortable situation. And as I started to uh, visit and actually interact with the culture, I started to recognize that for me to get change to happen as a man, I actually needed to lead that change and then ask her to help, you know, kind of enforce it. 
but I was asking her to lead the change and she was not being listened to. And it was not a superiority, inferiority dynamic. It was just culturally the level of maturity of the organization to handle that degree of change. I think that that's very important. A second one that comes to mind was when I was living in Indonesia, because I had a perception that Indonesia was a Muslim country, which is actually not. It's a country where, you know, Islam is a dominant religion, but it has not adopted it as the formal official religion. I was the only one that turned up in the office one day for Easter because I assumed that because this was a Muslim dominant country that they would not recognize Easter. So when I got to work, no one was there and I was just confused as to why they weren't there only to find out that they celebrate all, you know, Christian holidays as well. And it was just another example of where we come into situations with stereotypes. But as you travel and you open up your mind and your consciousness, you're able to learn from others and you see a far more similarities and differences. So those are two things that have come to mind that I've leveraged. So ask a lot of questions, try to understand why people do things the way that they do. And that allows me to find an opportunity to sell and lead a change, making sure that I'm also cognizant of some of the sensitivities that I'll have to navigate as a, as a leader. That must be so fascinating. Um, you have the opportunity to do your job at the same time, be learning all the time about different cultures, different practices, different religions. And like you said, you, you learn several languages just to be able to handle these, some of these issues and which makes you a little bit more adaptable uh, in these different environments. Definitely. And I think for the other anecdotal benefits are, you know, for my family, or, you know, my, my children have lived in many, many places. They've come, they've developed a lot of robust global friendships that they leverage to this day, even though they're, you know, very far away. And, and they have a tolerance for our difference and for understanding and I, I feel very blessed that I've been able to expose them to, to these kind of experiences at a young age and again it's just another example of some of the benefits of working for an international company like Chevron are where you have the opportunity even if you're not traveling to work in scenarios where you're interacting with a global workforce and you can still learn even without traveling. You're working across time zones, you're working across different languages, and you're adapting, you're growing, and you're evolving as an individual. And again, that's why I think you know this experience has been so beneficial to me. I mean, you bring forth a great point. You know, your job not only helps you learn, but your even your family is developing differently. If otherwise, I mean, they are also being impacted by your job to, to a Correct. large extent. Fascinating. Yes. yes, and I think that you said the, you know, the, that, that allows for a richer experience. And again, those are things that don't always appear in the balance sheet of a career choice using an accounting term, since that's the predominant audience. It, how do you evaluate developmental opportunities? I chose Chevron because 
They were, you know, an obviously a, a global company. They also had a phenomenal reach. I, I, they were globally advanced best practices. And then there were some of the things that sometimes are not involved in the calculation, the ability to travel, the ability to work globally or the ability to have, you know, rich and robust, even considered antiquated benefits that, that, you know, many folks don't cost today. And so when you look at the totality of it, you know, you even in all professions, a company like Chevron offers employees the ability to across all professions to work internationally. It's not just the engineers, me as a human resource, professional also experience that I have many friends in accounting as well who are equally you know blessed to have these uh, rich experiences that's great that's great now Chad moving along on a slightly different topic um, fossil fuels are always in the news huh? and sometimes for the wrong reasons uh, how is the industry and Chevron in particular handling the fossil fuel versus the sustainable energy debate. Uh, do you think the fossil fuel energy business will be eventually replaced by alternative energies? I, so first things, I think, you know, if you start at the beginning, there is clearly an awareness through the Paris Climate Agreement that, you know, there are specific issues that are impacting our world and we need to make changes as a, as a humanity and as a society and Chevron, like many other companies, is in alignment with the Paris Accord and understand the issues. You made the discussion earlier about the fossil fuel industry and I'll just give you an interesting statistic from the International Energy Association. In 2018, fossil fuels make up 54% of the current energy mix, which includes liquids, gas, coal, nuclear, and renewables, and hydrocarbons, which are, you know, and by 2040, the International Energy Association believes that the fossil fuel mix will move from 54% to 53%. So are very interesting that the, 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 the dominance of fossil fuels as a major supplier of energy to the world is still going to maintain a dominant position uh, unless there is some you know game-changing technology that emerges that we, we're not aware of today. We expect that by 2040, renewables and hydrocarbon would make up about 25% of that mix. So we still play a dominant role. And the reason for that, which many folks are not aware of, is that when you think of industries, air travel, you know, it's all of us travel. Fossil fuels are a dominant our source of energy, commerce, ships, trade, uh, fossil fuel emergencies are, you know, very, very important. Even technology, the byproducts of the fossil fuel industry computers, cell phones, other devices that use plastics and various specialty chemicals and, and, and technology, we are a part of that. Electricity generation, primarily dominant uh, by fossil fuel industry, natural gas, hydrocarbons. So, uh, and then the refined products, you know, today 3% of the cars in circulation are electric. 
And so with all the advancements, we still don't have a dominant essence of, you know, these emerging technologies that will replace fossil fuels at that dominant uh, role. And it will take some time and, and, and the evolution of society here in America, obviously a leading advanced nation, or we have the privilege of making some of those energy transitions quicker. If you're in the developing world, it will likely be a slower transition as they leverage and, and get to the level that we are at. And then to make that advanced leap to, you know, some of these more emerging technologies. That being said, we're part of the mix. We have in Chevron our, our technology ventures company that looks at these emerging technologies, invests in them, helps to incubate them and see if they can get to commercially scalable viability. But also we are very focused on what efforts we can do as a company to reduce our footprint as we become a global citizen, reducing things like methane from our operation, looking at some world-class projects like carbon sequestration, where we're trying to capture carbon from the atmosphere and, and many of the technologies that we're using to actually like solar to lower the footprint of the operation that we are in control of and, and support some of the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. So as a, as a company, we understand our role uh, as a supplier of energy, but we also are playing a, a leading role in the advancement of technology to transition as well as what can we do as an energy company to lower the carbon footprint of our operations. Yeah, and you know, that brings uh, uh, to an interesting point that although the fossil fuels will continue, um, but they will be more cleaner fuels. So yes. like I, I am aware that like Chevron has been consciously moving more towards natural gas in its mix. So Correct. less of carbon footprint, which is what I think you're saying, and less, you know, less of heavier fuels and more cleaner fuels. So there's a lot of effort in that direction as well. You want Correct. to that? Yes, I think. I mean, if you think about the evolution of energy, you know, there was a time in the 1800s when we were using whale oil and uh, in, in, you know, more base level of technology. And so the energy has always, the energy industry has always been evolving to, you know, more cleaner fuels or through centuries and we will continue to evolve. And part of the reason for that is supply and demand balance as as you know as the technology evolves you know obviously you know the desire are for different types of, of clean energy are also driving that but there's also just some base natural benefits of some of these newer technologies they do have a lighter footprint and you know for example natural gas we have significant projects in australia producing and around the world producing you know, gas that's that's being used as, as great sources of energy. And part of that is also the evolution of secondary energy industry. So as the electric industry, for example, moved away from coal and more basic levels of, of supply to more advanced levels, retrofitted their facilities, then as that demand increases, 
so does the, the level of production. And then thirdly, I would say there is an evolution of, of the technology. Many of us here in Texas are aware of fracking and some of our newer technologies that have actually a lighter footprint on the environment. They don't require as much our deep drilling and you can access resources easier. And then a byproduct of some of these resources are things like increased gas production which has a, a natural benefit to society. And, and as we can expand you know, the supply, it allows even for our homes and our personal use to be leveraging more technology as well. So part of it is, is the evolution of the industry itself. And part of it is the, the societal demands for energy and the evolution of some of you know, the dominant energy sources in our community that force and help, you know, kind of implement that change. Now, uh, that was one interesting metric which you put out about that by 2040, the energy consumption, fossil fuels would be about 53%. Um, and this is more from the perspective of our students, say, you know, undergrad, grads, uh, who will be who are looking forward for a, a long career, you know, should they be looking at the energy industry as a place to make a career? You think it's got opportunities for youngsters today to go and look for careers? I personally do. I would ad I would admit that I'm going to be perceived as biased and folks like yourself because we've worked in the energy industry. But just a couple of statistics that I will share with you. As an industry, there are about 10.9 million American jobs in natural gas and oil companies are preparing for energy in the future. And there are diverse sources of those energy or jobs. Some of them are emerging in areas like solar. And so if you think about energy as the base level input for the advancement of a society, there is no society that will not be dominated by energy. Energy powers our personal use of our iPhones and our you know, devices. And so energy is the lifeblood of our society and helps the society advance. So even as the energy industry goes through transition, there are still going to be a dominant level of jobs relative to many other industries that are actually more disposed to radical technology transformations. And as you see the rise of automation and digitization, some industries are, are having you know, radical transformation. And so I do believe that as an industry, we are, we are so are critical to the advancement of society that it's still a good place to hedge a bet as you build a career. I think Akil, you would know, and, and myself and many others included, there have been these dire, you know, doom and gloom productions of the energy industry 20, 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, you've retired from a full career and the industry is still, you know, moving along, evolving, but still a dominant source. I think the second thing that I would indicate that's important for an employee or potential employee to understand is, What's the macroeconomics in the industry? The average salary in the industry in 2017 was $102,000 a year. 
which is 85% higher than the average private sector job in the US, which is about 55,000. And these are exclude entry level positions. So the, the jobs that one can have, and this is across all disciplines, HR, finance, accounting, you will find that the energy industry pays radically higher than many other industries because of the nature of the work, the criticality of it. And I think that's very important as employees consider that they tend to have some historical benefits that are not as prevalent in today's society, like pension plans and, you know, much more generous 401k plans. So I think the industry as it's designed, as it functions, is, is a leading industry to be involved in, notwithstanding some of the other challenges that, yeah, people may not always understand it. And, and there's a, a, sometimes a perception that, you know, yeah, this is not a progressive industry, but I, I personally don't see, don't agree with that from my own personal exposure. And then lastly, the, the factors that I mentioned earlier, the, the, the level, uh, the nature of the jobs, uh, the international component, uh, and the ability of these industries to actually help employees transition through multiple uh, functional areas. It's not uncommon, for example, in the energy industry to start your career in one field and pivot into other fields. And that is uh, a, not necessarily a common phenomenon in many other companies. And you can, you know, even all the way up to general management, I think that's one of the strategic advantages of, of the energy industry is that one can evolve, one can transform from one functional area to another and very few industries allow you to some of these opportunities. So on, a, on an economic basis, on a multicultural, multinational basis, and then from a career or evolution basis, I think all these are, are, are strong factors. And I think the other thing I would say is that given the scale of a company like Chevron, you can also experience all types of businesses. We have what we call a technology ventures company, which operates like a startup. We have mature businesses and one gets to work across the life cycle of a career. I've done mergers, acquisitions, development, and I've had the privilege through my 22 years to work across different sectors of the industry and also different phases of the life cycle of a company and build skills that make me very relevant within Chevron and definitely outside of Chevron. And so I think an energy industry career is also a great or base foundational career that one can leverage across multiple industries. There's a level of maturity and a level of expertise and exposure that I think are, are really significant, particularly for early career employees. No, I think hearing all this, I'm sure uh, quite a few of our audience are getting interested in careers in, in energy industry. So what would your advice be? I mean, is, you know, if they are interested, is Chevron hiring people? Are the internships available? Where do they start? Yeah, so, you know, again, I, I would say that uh, a couple of things as 
like I said earlier, I've, I think I've made the case for the energy industry. So if you think about the typical profile of recruiting in the energy industry, it is predominantly internships to full-time hires, and then many, many functional areas within the company have what they would call development programs, which accelerate and employ through different areas. In each of our major functions, finance, IT, HR, or what we would consider our petrotechnical functions, engineering, earth science, they all have programs that are designed to advance and employ through our various our roles and rotational assignments. And then you ultimately roll off uh, after you've completed those you know, developmental programs into a full-time job and then into the, the general, as I would call it, work stream to compete for other positions in the company. So, you know, you, you, the typical way is through recruiting. Uh, we recruit at many of the major campuses around, you know, Texas in particular, because we know that universities in Texas are much more favorable and an understanding of energy and, and are much more disposed to the energy company. And we're taking our recruiting online. We can be found in many of the forums, our you know, national black MBA. We also have many different international recruiting uh, and the national recruiting events that we are participating in. And one can go to our Chevron or .com jobs and, and, and find positions here as well. Thanks, Chad. I think that is very helpful and good, good advice. Um, and again, since most of our audience are accounting students, and when you mentioned finance, accounting, I know is included in, in finance in Chevron terminology, right? Yes. Um, so um, uh, any advice to our students to help themselves better prepared for energy industry? Should they be taking any particular type of courses? And I'm talking more of the accounting type of courses, uh, accounting students. Should they be taking anything in petroleum accounting, energy accounting? Would that help or they, you are looking for more general accounting type of people? I, you know, I think as a, as a kind of stereotypical recruitment process, I would say that you know, passion and the ability to articulate a desire to be in the industry is primary or kind of, I would call it aspect that one should have. We will be always looking for folks that understand our industry and want to be a part of it. As you've laid out, I think doing courses or stuff that help you understand the industry will always be, ben always be beneficial. And then on top of that, we're looking for a certain profile. We're looking for people that are curious. We're looking for people that you know, are, are what I would consider open to, 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 to multiple kind of experiences. And then we're also looking for leadership. Those are always our primary elements because in, men, in most of our recruiting, you know, we are actually looking for people that we believe can be the CEO or could be ultimately through a long career, the CFO. And every one of, of the critical leaders of our company, I would say bar none, have, have found their origins coming in 
in in low positions and working their way all the way to the top. Now, that being said, one has to have a pragmatic approach to career development. And so it's it's really about the individual and who you are. If you have a passion for making a difference, if you're really into social um, investment and ESG issues, you can find a place here in Chevron where you can manifest some of those or desires to be part of the solution. And I talked earlier about our impact on communities and government. So we're looking for a well-rounded individual has passion for the, the business and the industry, willing and open to learn, and someone that has a lot of good skills and is adaptable or, and is willing to kind of go on a journey through change. It, it, you know, one last point I would make, Akil, is it's, it's common and it's common knowledge that we go through cycles in our industry and you have to be tough skinned and someone that has a strong belief in self and is not overcome by some of the headline news like get away from the energy industry. They're going through a downturn. You're going to lose your job. I've been here 23 years. I've been through six to 10 of these and good people always survive and people who evolve. So I would not embrace the energy industry from fear, but I would be more driven by the data, much more confident in your personal ability. So things that you can do to enhance your knowledge of the industry, highly recommended. Online courses, even doing research about some of these ESG issues and also preparing yourself for the wide spectrum of the industry, oil and gas, emerging technologies, you know, because it's not uncommon for some of the energy companies to transition. I think, you know, Exxon and, and, and Chevron, we're, we're adopting a certain strategy, but if you look into some of the public announcements, BP and Shell have made pivots to more emerging technology. So again, you can have a full experience across a wide range of functional areas in the energy industry highly recommend the industry. It's a game changer for advancement and it's still a fundamental bedrock of our economic progress as a, as a society. You know, one thing I um, uh, would say that people who like uh, a company like Chevron, they make a long-term career there because there are so many fascinating things you can do there. And you mentioned about you know, you could be in HR, you could move to finance, you could move to marketing. I mean, all this plethora of uh, portfolios. Uh, so it is, it is uh, fascinating. You um, know, one last point I would make is, you know, if I think back about rich experiences that, that just kind of, kind of, you know, reinforce that point. One of, one of more, my most profound and exciting projects was the divestment that we did or a couple of years ago of our geothermal business. And, and I had a, a very good friend uh, who's now working in, in Manila. And he and I, a finance guy, we got to work on this very exciting project where you know we did a divestment that within Chevron is still one of the fastest that we've ever done and was a significant contributor to the success of the company. So. You know, you think about the chairman saying something about a critical strategy or execution focus item for the company and, 
And someone like Chad is actually getting to work on that exact thing that he's talking about. And I think those are the kind of things that stay with you, not to mention the, the, the large uh, friend pool that one develops, you know, interacting at such a, a global scale where someone like yourself and me could be having a conversation today. And so I think all of that's another indicator of the strength of what the energy provides to just the even humanity and personal development. Well, on this note, I think uh, I'm mindful of your time and we, I think it's, uh, we could conclude here, but this has been an awesome discussion, Chad. I am absolutely confident that our audience have learned a lot about the energy business and careers in this industry. And I think this is a good starting point for them to start exploring more. Uh, there is a lot more than just the headlines what uh, most people see uh, about energy business. And uh, there's no doubt that energy industry offers uh, exciting careers. Uh, just hearing you talk about it so passionately, uh, it was uh, really um, worthwhile hearing you. Um, so thank you so much for your time and for sharing your thoughts and your wonderful experience. Uh, uh, thank you, Chad. I appreciate it and I'm at your service if ever we should wanna have a, a continued discussion and good luck to your students. And hopefully one day I might meet one of them that says, hey, I heard you on this discussion and you convinced me to, to come into the industry. If you ever do, give me a show. Thanks. We, would, we would love to see you on our campus uh, when the timing is right. Uh, we would love uh, for our students to interact with you and learn more from you. So thank you so much. Forward to that. Thanks. And everyone have a good day.